Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that is purely coach speak this week. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who hit an exploding golf ball this weekend. I sure did. I killed that ball. Right. It's Ryan Newman. <laughs> I was very confused when you hit it. I thought you did just like actually explode a real golf ball. Yeah, you said that. Like it, it uh, took you a minute to realize. <laughs> oh, wait happened. a sec. It's a prank. Just a prank. <laughs> just a prank. <laughs> uh, and I'm also joined by the other brother who shot a 69. Nice. nice. Yeah, that's <laughs> Trey Newman. Well done out there, Trey. What'd you shoot the second day? I didn't uh, ask. Uh, we don't need to talk about it. It was yeah, like a 75 74 or something. or something so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it was. I, I didn't even break 100 that second day. No, I didn't break 100 either day. <laughs> uh, before we get into the episode, we have three new five-star reviews, and we may or may not have solicited them at Trey's bachelor party last weekend. Yeah. So... You'll see that when we get into it. The first one comes from Justin, and he says, I love these guys. Older brother seems like a bit of a dud, but huge fan nonetheless. Couldn't agree more. Wow. <laughs> oh, these are my friends. <laughs> That's what I got to yeah. deal with. All right, Trey, what's, what's the next review? We got one from Kenny, who gave us five stars, but he said three stars because Michael Newman almost killed me with a golf ball. It's a true story. He, it is a true story. Yeah. It is a true story. Sorry about that, Kenny. <laughs> Hit but the thank golf you cart. for... What's that? It nailed the golf cart. It did nail the golf cart. It was cart. loud. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Whoopsie daisies. Little left. Yeah. Uh, all right. And our last one is from Andrea. And then Andrea said, Kenny made me post this. And it was five stars? Oh, yeah. It was a five star. Oh, well, nothing but. Great. All right. Of course. Thank you very much, Kenny. Sorry for almost killing you. Uh, now it's time for news and notes and the first bit of news is very surprising alex hornerbrook is transferring to florida state ryan what do you think i mean it seems like a very good spot for him to end up since you know they got about 170 pound quarterback starting there and that's it they don't have any backups and yeah i I mean i'm assuming that Blackman's going to be the winner of this job. If, if Hornibrook couldn't get good numbers at Wisconsin with a great running game, how's he going to do behind Florida State's offensive line? I mean, he's going to throw 30 interceptions if he starts there. <laughs> it's in play. It's in play. I, I don't like Hornibrook's chances to win that job, but probably a good spot for him. I mean, this the Taggart era just gets even more and more bizarre. I, I just, I don't really understand this. Uh, you know, I guess him and Blackman just have a competition and go from there. It just seems like an odd fit, in my opinion. Yeah, Ryan, I don't think you really made the case for why it's a good spot. You just, you just said they got a bad offensive line. Well, and it's it- a good spot because if he was going to go to a, a Power 5 school, he wasn't going to start, most likely. I just There's very few places. Right. And he might as well go to the place where they only have one quarterback. So True. if he gets hurt and he's 170 pounds, which is a decent chance behind that crappy O-line, he could find himself into playing time. That's a good point. And it's not it's not as if it's like a 0% chance that he'll win the job. It's no, possible. it's not. But yeah, it's, it's possible. Okay. Uh, the only other news we have to discuss is Fox has hired Urban Meyer and Reggie Bush in order to make a Saturday morning show to compete with ESPN's Game Day. Trey, do you like this idea? Sure. Might as well. I, I actually heard Brady Quinn 
on the radio because he's going to be a part of the show. And, and he, he said, you know, you, you can't just let the juggernaut of, of college game day continue without any challenge. I mean, they might as well, uh, you know, f- he, he also mentioned that they have a, a very solid NFL pregame show and they compete with CBS and, and ESPN. So, so maybe they just try and mimic that. I mean, I'm not saying I'll watch, but they might get some viewers if they have, if Fox happens to have, you know, a 9 a.m. Pacific noon Eastern game and they catch the end and maybe they're going to start watching it. I, you got to start to bite into the game day beast, I guess. I don't have a problem with them trying to get big time talent, but I may not particularly love the Urban Meyer talent coming in. That may bring some negative attention that might not help them. As far as Reggie Bush, I I would think that's good. I mean, he's a huge name. I haven't really heard him as far as breaking down games before, so we'll have to see how he does with that. I mean, it's not easy to do. You know, just just ask Joey Galloway how hard, how tough that is. But <laughs> well, he can't be any worse than Desmond Howard. Well, <laughs> I was gonna. That was my next guy besides <laughs> yeah. Joey Galloway. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, we'll see. I, I I like Reggie, but Urban. Eh. All right. Well, good good hard hitting analysis there. Thanks, Mike. Uh. Let's move on to the meat of the episode, the top 10 college football head coaches. Very excited for this. I mean, I don't know if our list is that controversial, but I'm sure we'll have some people who disagree. And and so we're not ranking this based purely on past accomplishments, obviously. So like last year, if we made this list, Bill Snyder would have been nowhere, nowhere near the top 10, even yeah, though if you look at his career accomplishments, you could make that argument. But we're just talking how good are they right now? Right. And so the way we did it is all three of us individually made our own top 20 list. And we kind of just averaged them together and got our top 10 here. So um, and the way we'll go through the list is, I guess, sort of have a debate between whoever put the coach the highest on their list and and the guy who put them lowest. And then a tie break. And then can the third person, third sure, break. can 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 make it a tiebreaker if they want. Yeah, sure. Uh, all right. So are you guys ready? Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Okay, so number 10 on the list. Maybe a little bit low here. Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Ryan, you were the uh, the highest on him at fifth. Yep. M- make your case. Two playoff appearances in two years. Well, I mean, what's, who, who else can say that the last two years? Uh, some pretty two, some pretty great coaches. <laughs> I was gonna say a couple other coaches, <laughs> but I mean that's what I'm. That's kind of my point. Some pretty great coaches. Yeah, they'll be so on the top I, top two of the list. They'll definitely be on the top two. I mean that's really hard to do. And he did it with two different quarterbacks, two record setting offenses, just one after the other. Kind of different style of quarterbacks. They could both throw, but Kyler had the had the legs. Great recruiting, ninth a couple years ago, sixth this past year. I know it hasn't been the coach for long, and he was given a good situation there from Bob Stoops, but I mean, he's done about all you can ask for so far, so I I definitely think he's better than 10th. Okay, so I might have been a little overzealous and tried to make a point, because I had him 19th. <laughs> now, 19th? What? Wow. This is, 19th. This is solely... That you hate OU? No, it, it has nothing to do with it here. I'm... I'm totally unbiased. This, you know, I could have <laughs> totally. I, I could have put up put him up a few pegs, but this is solely based on the fact that he inherited arguably the most talent anyone ever really has in college football. Like Stoops just gave him a top five team. So what a situation! And then not to mention he got inherits Baker Mayfield, and then Kyler Murray had already transferred. So you know he he no doubt I give him credit. He had a role in making them great. I'm not saying he didn't. 
But I just really want to see what OU is like after a full cycle of his products. Well, the way he's recruiting, I would hope it'd be pretty good. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna declare Ryan the winner. Yeah, in the argument that's fair. <laughs> I mean, the, and that's the thing about it is is the reason the offense is so good and those quarterbacks are so good is because of him. He was the offensive coordinator. Yeah. So uh, you could convince me to drop him down a few because there's some good coaches right behind him. But yeah, you know, 19 is a little too much for me. All right. And did I mention, send in your disagreements to us. Yes. At CFB Bros on Twitter or uh, let us know on Instagram at College Football Bros. We want to hear. We want to hear you tell us we're idiots. We're weird like that. We like pain and we like people making fun of us. Can, do I speak for you, Ryan? In saying I, I that? think you just speak for yourself, moron. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I loved that. That was great. Yeah. More of that, Ryan. <laughs> uh, number nine on the list. Oh, we are going to get yelled at for this one. Scott Frost. Yeah. Trey, you were the high. Well, we're all pretty close on him, but you had him ninth. So okay. why you have him so high? I'm, And I'm not, I really didn't think I, I'm not trying to be biased here. It's an unbiased view. I, I know he's only been a head coach for a few years, but what he's done in the short term is obviously pretty impressive. I, and I, I tend to give credit to coaches that do well after not inheriting much. And that was obviously the case for Frost at, at UCF. You know, it's well known and maybe overplayed that he took an 0-12 team to 12-0 and in a couple years. But I also like his track record of offenses at Oregon and how much quarterbacks thrived under him. Um, he's proven the same now with, with uh, Adrian Martinez early on. And not to mention, he was the national coach of the year a couple seasons ago, so that holds some weight. Yeah, it's true. Michael, where'd you have him? I had him at 10th. I actually also had him at 10th. Oh, okay, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, I mean, 10th. I don't know, maybe it's just a little bit of a reverse homerism going on on my part, trying not to put them ahead of guys that, you know, I've proven what they've at, at Power 5 schools. And that's that's just it for me. The guys in front of him have had a lot of success, made big time bowl games, won huge games at Power 5 schools, and they've had success there. Where Frost, I mean, he did it at UCF, which is a great accomplishment, but I want to see him do it at a Power 5 school before I'm willing to put him over like Jim Harbaugh, you know, a guy like that, where it's He's done a great job at Michigan, won big games. Well, some. <laughs> yeah. Some big games. And I think it's key to remember what we said at the beginning. This is not based on on what Scott Frost has accomplished, although he has accomplished you know some stuff. But going forward, I don't think it's ridiculous to say he's in the top 10. I mean, last year, Florida wanted him over Dan Mullen, didn't they? Wasn't Frost yeah. the first guy they went to? Yeah. So I, I don't think it's ridiculous to put him up here. No, it's not. And the way we the Nebraska finished the year, and it just it seems like things are definitely still going in the right direction. It's just going to take time. We all everybody knew that. Okay, number eight on the list is a polarizing coach for some, James Franklin. And Trey, you were the highest on him. You love James Franklin. You had him sixth. Yeah, he's always been a Franklin guy. I know. I I really love him. I'm still on board with Franklin. Oh, why not? Um, he's recruit. Why not? He's recruiting top ten classes. He led them to a Fiesta Bowl win two years ago against Washington, nearly won the Rose Bowl before that versus SC. That that season, he won the Big Ten. They're in the Big Ten title mix each year. I mean, so he took Bill O'Brien's Nittany Lion teams and then kind of took it to the next level. Uh, this past year, they were a couple bounces away from being um, even better than, than what their record indicated. But, you know, so it goes. But I'm still on board with Franklin. Well, yeah, and you didn't even mention in their Vanderbilt. Oh, sure. Right. What sure, he did I, there yeah. is unbelievable. To, that's maybe even more impressive than what he's done at Penn State, taking a 
you know, perennial doormat and making them competitive and making bowl games. So, uh, so yeah, I, I was the lowest on Franklin at 11th, even though I'm, I'm making the case for him here. None of us are, are James Franklin haters, though. I mean, 11th is pretty dang high. It's not like I think he's a bad coach, but the reasons I had him not in my top 10, one is the, the bad in-game decisions that I guess at least I remember well, even just this year, running the ball on fourth and seven against Ohio that, State. He's never going to live that one down. That was not great. And then in the Citrus Bowl this year, down by six late in the game, Taking I think there were like goal. three or four minutes. Yeah, he just kicked a short field goal rather than go for it. So I don't know how important. I mean, a lot of coaches make bad decisions like that, but I guess I just remember it for Franklin. And then the other reason I had him low is I give a lot of credit for Penn State's breakout the last couple of years before this past year. Joe Moorhead. To Joe Moorhead, yep. And and Franklin should get credit for that. He hired him, but yeah, that's true. I don't know. I guess I'm just curious to see where they go from here. Yeah, that's the thing I think for Franklin. I mean, he had a couple of really good years there, as you said, with Joe Moorhead. Now, and Trace McSorley here this past year was still kind of there after the Joe Moorhead effect. How is he going to do the next couple of years? you know, sin or without those guys, without you mean Sands? at quarterback, is he going to be able to make another another run with a guy like Tommy Stevens or how's it going to work? So I'm, I'm interested to see how he goes on the next couple of years. Okay, on to number seven on our list, Jim Harbaugh. I'm the highest on on him at sixth, though we're all we're all fairly high. And We've talked about Jim Harbaugh a ton on this podcast, but I always love to make the case because I think he gets more crap, more undeserved crap than maybe any coach in the country. So he took over. Well, first of all, let's just not forget that everywhere he's been, USD, Stanford, um, 49ers. Oh, I'm yeah, 49ers and now Michigan. They've all immediately gotten much better under him or at least... Yeah, it they have. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. And so so let's just let's just talk about Michigan though. Let's if we're talking recently. So they were five and seven the year before he got there. They were not in good shape. Year one, he finished twelfth in the country. That's an unbelievably huge success. Like that's a amazing year one. Year two, had they beat Ohio State in that last game in that crazy overtime game, could have gone either way, they would have been a favorite to go to the playoff. They would have just needed to win one more game against Wisconsin to go to the playoff. So yeah, they lost it. They lost that coin flip, but you know they ended up finishing 10th in the country. They were a great team that year. Year three, they lost everyone. Injury issues at quarterback, really inexperienced team. They went eight and five. That's that's not so terrible. With some tough, close losses there. Yeah, and in, in your worst year going eight and five, I mean, you can live with that. And then this past year, they ended up ranked 14th at the end of the season, and they were in the playoff race until the last game of the season. And yes, yeah. they got killed to Ohio State the last game of the season, but that's why he's not third on this list. You know, yeah, he's, exactly. he's got some blemishes, but he's he's done a great job. I just, I don't get the hate. Yeah, I mean, up until that Ohio State game, it, it, there was really no, he's just getting, been kind of getting unlucky, and these teams have always been there. And they've definitely improved from where they were under Hoke, and there's no doubt about that. I, I had him at the lo- the lowest, I guess. I had him at eighth, which is not super low. Um, no. But I just felt like it was, I don't know, when you're putting together this list, we're really splitting hairs with some of these guys. I mean, her, I, you could make a case for Harbaugh being a few spots higher, and I have no problem with it. Um, but I, th- what is holding him back for me is just not being able to beat Ohio State, not being able to win a Big Ten championship. The other guys in front of him have done those types of things, so... 
you know, and you're capable of doing that at, at Michigan, a school like Michigan, where it's, you got a bunch of, you know, you got the facilities, you got the recruits and all that. So you got the support, but once he does that, then he'll, he'll jump up a couple spots for me. Okay. Um, one I wanted to bring up here, kind of the impetus for this episode was uh, Stuart Mandel and Bruce Feldman came out with their top 25 head coaches lists, which were interesting to look at. Uh, one crazy thing I thought, you know, every, everyone is entitled to their own opinion and reasonable minds can differ about where these guys rank. But having Stuart Mandel did not have Jim Harbaugh in his top 25. And to me, what top 25 in his top 25. What? That to me, that's very, very I lost difficult. All respect for right now for Stuart Mandel. <laughs> I mean, that's. I think how that's you, a little harsh. How, how? I don't know. I don't know. Like what? But on earth did he not have done to make top twenty-five? Like, I and that's the it. thing with Harbaugh is I think if the difference between you having Harbaugh not in your top twenty-five and having him like in your top five is that Ohio State game a couple years ago. Because really, if that game would have gone the other way and it was pretty much a coin flip, he would have, let's just say he would have been in the playoff. Or the Michigan State punt. Yeah, the Michigan State <laughs> punt, right. I mean, that was a huge game. I mean, it's unreal. Wow. Yeah, he's he's very, very close to be universally considered a, a top five coach. Yeah. So that's, wow. I don't know. I kind of wish you didn't tell me that, Mike. <laughs> Are you, you flustered for the rest of the episode? Man, that's just kind of unbelievable okay i need to fact check that just to make sure i'm yeah, right I mean, <laughs> what if i just like missed it oh yeah he was ninth on his list my bad yeah <laughs> uh number six on our list is kirby smart and i was highest on him i have him third i just think georgia is is the next alabama and clemson type powerhouse so maybe i'm kind of jumping ahead here and just thinking that Kirby Smart is going to be considered a top five coach, so I'll just throw him in there right now. Um, but even if I don't jump ahead, I he might already deserve, deserve to be in the top five. The way he's recruiting is insane. He's recruiting at that Alabama level. You know, He's taken a big step up in recruiting from even what Mark Richt was doing there. And he almost won a national championship in year two. They were a play away from the national championship. And then last year, had they not you know blown blown it in the second half against Alabama, they'd have been in the playoff again. So... I, there's he's been pretty much perfect there yeah i mean and i i will admit i i had him 10th i i kind of undersold him maybe a touch i wasn't maybe as forward looking because yes i agree what he's doing in recruiting is is unreal and so far the on-field success has been there uh, there's been a couple head scratchers like the LSU blowout last year and then, and then the fake punt that he had against Alabama. But, you know, those things happen. I'm not going to totally fault him for that. But, uh, I guess where I was coming from with the, with the ranking was that he, he did inherit a lot from Rick. Yes, you can argue he has kind of taken the next step so far and, and, and advanced it to a new level. But I guess I'm just a more of a critic when it comes to, um, having an elite or inheriting elite, an elite program and, add that onto the fact that the coaches ahead just they aren't slouches either so yeah although i could have made them a little higher i if i had to do this again but not not too dramatic of a change for me i had i had him fourth so i guess uh, just by the numbers there I'm, I'm leaning more towards michael um but you could convince me to drop him a couple spots but i mean like michael said taking him to a national title game a second year almost you know you could they almost beat Bama in the SEC title last year where they would have got into the playoff and who knows what would have happened then. So, so this is I my, would, this is my thing. If you told me 
to make a list of maybe the top coaches in the next five years. Lincoln Riley would be up there. Scott Frost would be up there. And guy like Kirby Smart would be up there, but I just kind of held re- reserve and uh, reserve my judgment for uh, for looking at it as of now. Okay, a little more prove it to me first. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, okay, let's see. We are to number well, not number five on our list because we have two guys tied for fourth, mm. and it's a an interesting two guys to be tied. You'll see when you <laughs> you hear the names. The first one is Jimbo Fisher. And once again, I was the highest at, I had him at fourth. Maybe it's a little high, but I just think he's a great recruiter and a really good coach. You know, we saw him have that amazing run at Florida State. He won a national championship. Things did fall apart at the end. So that's definitely worrisome. That's the blemish he has. I mean, everyone, except for maybe the top two on this list, everyone has some question marks. But for me, Jimbo just immediately erase them by having a great first year at AM in recruiting, maybe their best class ever. And then on the field, what they go nine and four, they had a very good season. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to win a national championship, I feel like Jimbo is one of the top five guys you should call. Well, he has won one. So they, there is that. Um, I had him the lowest at seventh. And the, Michael, you already brought it up, but just the way he finished at Florida State, that has my, my thinking on him probably a little lower maybe than it should. And yes, he did have a good year at Texas A&M this, this first year. Although, I mean, he did lose four games. I mean, and he had really had, he had two quality wins. He had Kentucky, which I mean, you know, is a good win. I wouldn't say it's a great win. And yeah. then they beat LSU in that crazy seven overtime games. Other than that, they lost most their most, most of their big games. So it was a great, it was a very good year on the field, but I'm not going to, you know, go crazy about it. I want to see him back it up with another really good year and see how Kellen Mond and their offense does again this year. So I don't know. I feel comfortable putting him at seventh. Okay. Next we have another Florida coach on the list tied with Jimbo Fisher at fourth, Dan Mullen and Trey, you were the highest. You have him third. Wow. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I am, it's, it's not unreasonable, but let's no, hear it. No, it's not. So from based on previous episodes and, and if you haven't already gathered, I'm obviously pretty high on, on Dan Mullen. Um, He backed up his Florida offensive coordinator success with an impressive run at Mississippi State. And the fact that he he got the Bulldogs relevant and even to number one at one point with uh, Dak Prescott, that's pretty remarkable. And it it's one of the toughest gigs in the SEC West. You know, I I was looking up some stats about Mississippi State prior to him. They had a they had played in a total of 13 bowl games. Under Mullen himself, they went to eight. Uh, then in year one at Florida, you could argue it was kind of a, a below average Florida team. He led Felipe Franks, who no one saw coming, to to win the Peach Bowl against Michigan and then now add on to the fact that he's recruiting well. I, I just think he's a great coach. No, yeah, he's definitely a great coach. I was the lowest on him at seventh, though. And it is hard to argue against him. Um, that's, I mean, that's why I have him so high, but... I'll say before this year, I don't think maybe you would have, Trey, because you've always been high, but I think most people wouldn't have had him all that close to their top five. And yeah, that's fair. In one, his one year at Florida is definitely encouraging, but I will say Jim McElwain won 10 games in year one as well at Florida. So yeah, I just need to see a little bit more. I need to see um, them take the next step before I move him into my top five. Yeah, I'm I'm in the middle of you guys. I had him six, but 
it, it's always hard to judge a guy like Mullen where he had success at a school with limited resources like Mississippi State. And then like, okay, so then it's like, so is he automatically going to do really well at a big time school like Florida? It's like, it's really hard to judge yeah. how he's going to do. So I, he, he, it doesn't just automatically work. So I have to see it a little bit more. Um, but I, I mean, I don't have a problem with putting him really high because he is a great coach, but it's just interesting. Like, how do you compare that? Yeah, it is. It's hard to do like with, with Kirby smart because he's, Georgia might have just been the perfect program at the perfect time where you can recruit a number one class there. Like if Kirby Smart would have got the job at, I don't know, let's just say Tennessee, which is maybe a little bit tougher job. Yeah. What would we think of him then? What would he have done now? Exactly. Exactly. It's hard. And that leads us to a guy on the list who kind of fits the Dan Mullen mold. Number three is Chris Peterson. And Ryan, you were the highest on him at third. Yes, I am very bullish on Chris Peterson. Uh, he was 92-12 and 12 at Boise. Uh, just an amazing run there. And now he's made Washington the class of the Pac-12. He's won two out of the last three conference championships. Their recruiting has picked up. It seems like every year they get a little bit better and a little bit better. Um, a great class this year. So it, it, when, he, when he took over, it was, you know, it was a tough, tough time. But, I mean, man... It took a two years of a couple of decent seasons, and then now the last three years have just been great for for UW. So I, I think he's just going to keep it going, especially with the improved talent that they're getting. Yeah, I've. I mean, I, I'm not much lower on you. I'm I'm the lowest at fifth, and I think I had him third last year, or at least a couple years ago when we talked about this. But you know, ever since that playoff appearance, there's they've been good, but just not quite as good. They weren't. They haven't really been a true threat to the playoff these last two years it's all started with john ross no more john ross yeah no more john ross maybe and that's Browning's the whole reason arm yeah yeah little, and so a little limited so i'm a little bit lower on him now than i was a couple years ago and really i think the difference is the guys ahead of him i just have more faith that they are at that ultra elite recruiting level now maybe that's just because we haven't seen chris peterson at a usc or a georgia where you can get those top classes but right i don't right. know it's still an unknown. I I got to admit, I was a couple years ago, or or I guess I should say more when UW hired Peterson, I was probably the most skeptical out of anyone I really knew. Um, everyone just, you know, raved at his Boise success and thought he was the second coming. And I kind of was reserved with that. But he's really proven to me that, that he can do it at a school like Washington. Yeah, maybe the last couple of years they've maybe slightly underachieved, but that's the, he set the standard already back up and, and that's impressed me. Yeah. Like underachieving and still winning the conference. It's, yeah, no, exactly. They've, they've I know. been pretty good still. They've yeah. been pretty good for UW. It's not like USC where, I mean, saying that at UW, that's, that's quite an accomplishment. Yep. Okay. Well, Ryan, do you want to introduce number two and number one on our list? It's kind of a surprise. Uh, the first, well, the, the second coach on our list, uh, would be Dabo. Dabo Sweeney. Oh, wow. That's I, unbelievable. I know, right? It's surprise, surprise. We all agreed on these top two. I think pretty much everybody would agree on this. Maybe somebody would put Dabo ahead now just because he beat Saban again. But Oh, so number one is oh, Saban? Nick, Nicholas Saban is number one, you're saying? I, it's true. Yes. Never, heard, never heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there is a conversation to be had. There probably are some people out there that would have Dabo moved up number one. But for me, that would be overreacting too much to one game yeah exactly because Saban's run over the past decade plus 
and even just going back to LSU yeah is I mean you can't argue with it it's been unreal yep you know the other thing about Saban that I gotta say compared to Dabo so far this will happen to Dabo here soon but Saban it seems like every year we're talking about a complete overhaul and turnover of coaches on his staff yep. whereas Clemson's they've had Venables he's been a staple they, there's not as much turnover on their staff, but now with their over their big success, that probably will start to happen. And I still think Debo will succeed, but but that's one thing that Saban's been able to do is weather those. That's an interesting point, though, because how much of it is, you know, Saban just not being the best person to work with and then having success? Well, he's just proving that he can do it with pretty much any coaches. I know he's he's recruiting to an insane level, so you know a lot of us could walk into a job and do well, but but still, yeah. Fair enough. I just, I don't know. I don't think a lot of Dabo's guys might, I think, um, I, I don't know. They, I feel like he's probably going to be able to keep them a lot more than Saban does, even with their, all the success that they're having. That's That might be true, but again, doesn't matter for Saban. He's still, he wins no matter what, so. This year's insane, though. He's, he's losing a ton of guys. He is, he is, but I'm sure they'll still be great. Uh, okay, let's get to our honorable mentions, and so let's go around and say, the highest ranked coach on your list that did not make our top 10. All right, I'll lead us off here. Um, actually, for me, it was a perfect 10 for 10. All the guys on our list were my in my top 10. That's crazy. So, yeah, I know, right? So my 11th, this one might be a little bit of a surprise. I had Pat Fitzgerald at number That 11. is high. That is high. I, wow. Look at what he's done at Northwestern. I mean, they went to the Big Ten Championship this year. I know the Big Ten West was pretty rough. Yeah, they, but, that, this year, I mean, they weren't that great. But they won 10 games, what, the year before that? I mean, he's got that program consistently winning, consistently going to bowl games. And it's Northwestern. I mean, that's hard to do. So, yeah, I I like Pat Fitzgerald. Okay. Michael? Yeah, I had uh, Tom Herman at ninth on my list. And he he was a tough one for me. But when I went and looked at his resume, I mean, he was really successful at Houston. The year before he got there, I think they were 8-5. and And he went 13-1. and So he had a great year there. Second year was still good. And now at Texas, he's immediately made them a much better team. Even in year one, they were a lot better than they had been. Year two, another step up this past year. So, And the recruiting is at a super high level. I just think it's it's hard to argue against him. I don't have an issue with that. I can, I can believe that. No. Yeah, and what he's done with, uh, with quarterbacks, too. He, he always seems to get good quarterback play. I my guy was Gary Patterson. Um, I probably still have him higher than most, but but I mean, I personally I had him at eighth. Uh, I think you asked me this a couple of years ago. I might have even had him higher. Yeah, but uh, but he's been there since two thousand. They've they've managed to to weather the the storm of going into different conferences. They went from Conference USA to Mountain West to the Big Twelve. They've succeeded at at all of those levels. Uh, he's been in, he's had multiple six, uh, conference titles. They finished number two that year when they won the Rose Bowl with Andy Dalton, barely missed the playoff a few years back in 2014. And they, they're, they're consistent. Um, and you could argue that this past year was one of their worst years, but they were still in a bowl game and, and still somewhat relevant in the big 12. So he was, he was mine. Yeah. He, he, he needs a bounce back this, this coming year. He does. Yeah. Cause he's had what now two out of the past three years have been. Have yeah. been a little bit down. I I totally agree, but I, I mean I had him. I think like maybe four fifteenth or something. So I'm not. I, I still. I Patterson's been great. Yeah, that's probably around where I had him. Um, 
What about a guy, I think a guy that gets talked about a lot on these these lists is Kirk Ferentz. Does he deserve to be in the top 25? I don't I didn't have him in my top 20. I think he's probably somewhat close, but we're talking right now. I mean, if you go back and look at Kirk Ferentz's last 6 or 7 years, I think they're pretty consistently losing five games or so. I mean, yeah, I, I mean to, they're they're generally known as a 7 and 5 type of team. And they're always good for that one random year where they they succeed. They, they a couple bounces go their way. Yeah, I mean he's a solid coach, but I just yeah. don't think he's great. There's there's just a limit on it. There's like a cap on him. I had him at tw- 23rd, so you know. The other guy I really did like, I just want to touch on briefly was Kyle Whittingham. I had him pretty high. I just think he's outstanding. They're consistent. Uh, and I feel he's underappreciated because Utah's not the easiest job, especially in the Pac-12. It's true. I had Gundy up at 12. I mean, he's done remarkable in Stillwater. Yeah, I had Gundy fairly high as well. Um, just going back to, to Kirk Ferentz. So I, he's, they've gone, the past three years, they've gone eight and five, eight and five, nine and four. Now, the year before that, they did go 12 and two. But then before that, it was seven and six, eight and five, four and eight, seven and six, eight and five. So, it's just a lot of a lot of five, six, seven lost seasons yeah. there. Yep, yep. Actually, there was not one seven loss season. I was incorrect there, but there was an eight loss. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the top five group of five coaches. Didn't want to forget them. None of them made our top ten list, but still some great coaches. Number five, we will start with Bill Clark. And Trey, you were the highest on him. You had him third. You know, I you you win. He won a program record eight games and a bowl game in 2017, which just so happened to be the first year after resurrecting the the program. That was just amazing. Uh, yeah. He he backed it up this past season with 11 wins. So I really and as I mentioned earlier, I think building a program like that from the ground up is worthy of a of a third place ranking in in the group of five. Yeah, I was lowest on him. I had him 10th among the group of five Whoa. coaches. I know maybe that's I if I were to redo this after looking at your list, maybe I was too too low on him. I mean, what it's hard to argue against what he's done, but if I had to, if I'm having to make a devil's advocate argument here, I think the perception is that his team, you know, after they came back from that two-year hiatus, just had no talent. They were just a bunch of ragtag group of guys, but according to 24/7 Sports, that that first team was the fifth most talented team in Conference USA. So there were some some talented recruits on there. Obviously there was a lack of of experience, but there's my there's my the best argument I can muster. But I mean That's your, I, he's I mean, been unbelievable. I was too low on him. And I apologize. Yeah. I apologize, guys. Yeah, I had him fourth and I'm so I'm certainly definitely leaning more towards Trey. And if I had to do it over, I might have probably even put him higher. But yeah, he, what he's done it that's incredible. Bill Clark, you can send your angry tweets to uh, Michael. Yes, sure. Definitely. Go for it. At CFB Bros. That's usually <laughs> where I tweet. Uh, all right. Number four is Jeff Tedford. And Ryan and Trey, well, we're all pretty close. We all had him fifth or sixth. Ryan and Trey, you both had him fifth. So make your case. Hey, I'm gonna, I'll make the case here for Jeff. Okay. One and 11, the year before he got there. Got where? Got where for the listeners who, for some reason, don't follow college football? Fresno State. Okay. And then 22 and 6 in the last two seasons. Unreal. Uh I just an incredible job by Tedford to make him that competitive that soon, making two conference championship games, winning one and 
got screwed over in the 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 first year there. So, I mean, that's unreal job. Yeah, I, I can't Big, say it again. one of the biggest turnarounds ever, and his renaissance years at Fresno have been outstanding. Yeah, the the I think the reason we all don't have him higher than fifth or sixth is the end of that cow run, and it wasn't just you know with with Jimbo, it was kind of just one year at Florida State that that it went south, but with with Tedford at Cal. And they were kind of mediocre for several years, so that kept them out of the the top five group of five coaches for me. Uh, now moving on to, we have two guys tied for second, actually, and the first is Jeff Munkin from Army. And Trey, you had him number one. I I love Munkin. I, I maybe I reached a, a touch here, but he's done one of the best jobs in the nation. He inherited Army when they only had won eight games in the three years before him. They were they were never competitive with Navy, you know, as long as we can remember. They had Navy had won fourteen in a row through twenty fifteen. And it started he started slow to build them, but then in twenty sixteen went eight and five, then had ten wins, and it was their first ten win season since the nineties. Then obviously this past year they go eleven and two, win their bowl game against Houston seventy to fourteen. Uh first time in program history they've gone to three straight bowl games. And also, this past year, it's not like they were just wimp, uh, beaten up on the the cupcakes. We uh, we've we've mentioned that they lost in overtime to Oklahoma. So they uh, he's got this program in a good spot. He does. I was the lowest on him at seventh. Which I mean, I still think he's a very good coach. It's just all the guys I had ahead of him were either succeeded at multiple schools so i could just trust it a little bit more or maybe i've been doing it for a longer period of time sure Um, but i guess the reason i had him this low is is the option and i love the option but maybe my anti-option bias is creeping in here that it just seems like is there a ceiling to running that style of offense nationally like and maybe it's just that they haven't gotten the chances to go to the power five schools and and maybe they could go to playoffs running that offense. But you look at Paul Johnson, he's kind of the only guy lately who's gotten a chance at a power five school at Georgia tech. And he, he did have success. It's not like he was bad, but even he was kind of on the hot seat these last few years. So I guess that's what, that's what kept Munkin down for me. So, Okay, so if you're going to look at it that way, like he's got an army to about as good as I think you could get. True. That's how I look. I mean, how can you be better? You know, like, so yes, I think so. It's kind of the way you look at it. So that I can see Trey's point of view, but I can also see Michael's where it's like, well, if he was at a different school, you know, like, you know, like Michael said, Georgia Tech, well, it kind of worked. We saw how that didn't work out the greatest. So you got to have a certain type of offense like that to work at the Navy and the Army. And I think Jeff's done it about as good as he can do. So I kind of agree with both of you guys here. I can see both sides. Yeah. Like if if you were so it is hard to judge because if you were right now, let's just let's just say Georgia Tech, and you could either hire Jeff Tedford, who I guess you guys had, or Trey, you had lower on your list, or Jeff Munkin, who would you choose? I'd probably go with uh Tedford. Um I I didn't really I didn't make my rankings based on you know him succeeding at the next job I I kind of right was looking at what he's done like I I totally get what you're saying uh I I do I just looked at like Ryan mentioned like he's got an army to the pinnacle where no one saw coming 
No, that's fair. Yeah, he's yeah, you couldn't ask him to do any better than he's done. So, yeah, it's just a hard one, hard one to judge for me. But uh, tied for second with him is Brian Harson uh, from Boise State. And Ryan, you had him second. You were highest. Yeah, uh, it's hard to believe he's been at Boise for five years now. Um, but he's he's maintained that level at Boise. He hasn't dropped. He's averaged over ten wins a year there. Won the conference title twice, and he had a good year at Arkansas State the year before he was at Boise. So I think he's, he's really earned this spot. He's maintained it. He's gone through a full cycle of recruits of his own and still managed to keep Boise Boise. So and he, this past year, they had maybe the arguably the best group of five recruiting class ever. So it looks like he's only going to maintain that even more. All right. And I, once again, how am I the lowest on every group of five coach? That, it doesn't even <laughs> yeah, seem who, mathematically who, who's possible. Who's ahead of these guys for you? Well, Mike? we'll get to that. He's just got Lane Kiffin five times. Yeah, I was like, who? <laughs> well, he's one of them. He's definitely one of them. I do I like Lane. I want to see your list. Um, well, we'll get to it. But for me, why Brian Harson, I, I have met fifth is just the question: Is Boise State the like Wisconsin, where it just sort of it runs itself? It runs itself. Yeah, no matter who is there, they're always going to be good because you go back to Dirk Cutter and Dan Hawkins, then Chris Peterson, and now Harson. Every single one of them has had huge success. And, you know, as when they went elsewhere, Dirk Cutter wasn't that great at Arizona State. He was okay. Dan Hawkins obviously was very bad at Colorado. Chris Peterson, great at UW. So I don't know. I still think it's kind of kind of a toss up as to how he'll do in a different situation. Yeah. All right. That's fair enough. Number one on the list from North Texas, Seth Luttrell. And Ryan, you did have him at number one. I did. Yeah, I I think it's uh extraordinarily hard to win down there in Denton. I mean, they were they were one and eleven the year before he got there, and they'd experienced quite a bit of those types of years before. And now he's taken them to three straight bowl games. I mean, that's crazy. And won nine games each of the past two years. Got Mason Fine coming back for another year, so they're probably going to have another pretty solid year again. And if you're North Texas, I mean, you should just be feeling super lucky to have him again. I mean, he was wanted by quite a few schools, so yeah. You know, he's the hottest head coaching candidate there is probably in the group of five right now. So I, I regret this one. I, I put him at seventh. Ouch. I, <laughs> I think I should have had him at least at least in my top five. You know, well, here's here's my logic. Well, first of all, I didn't really realize how bad North Texas was prior to him getting there. Um, but in terms of now, in terms of potential coaches I'd hire for a power job, he'd no doubt be on my short list of the G5 coaches but it was just kind of I guess it was hard for me to say he was purely a better coach than than like the guys that I had ahead of him but I have no I have no qualms with anyone putting him in the top five yeah I mean when if you listed the six guys you had ahead of them they're all like they all have great arguments too there's a lot of good even in the G5 there's a lot of good coaches like we didn't even mention Chad Lunsford here you know, he what uh, Georgia Southern was like two and 10 the year before. And then his first full year as head coach, they went, what they go this year, 10 and three, 10 and something three, like that. So yeah, how much better can you do than that? But there's, there's a lot of good coaches. Lunsford was my sixth. So, you know, he was, was he? just outside. I don't even think he made my top 10. Yeah, I don't think he made really? mine. It was, he well, was, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good coaches. There that's, are. Yeah, that, that's what a, all right, I'm interested to hear your other, your other people on your list all right well i'll tell you some of them right now we're getting to our honorable mentions uh so who was the highest ranked coach on your list that didn't make our top five i'll go first because 
like you said, there had to be some guys high up on my list. You like Lance to be, Leopold. I bet you he was like sixth for you or something. For me, I, honestly, I don't even think he made my top. No, he made. Wow. I don't know if he made my top 10. I'll, I'll really? have to pull up the list in a sec. But he's in the top 10, Michael. <laughs> he's, in, he's in the top 10, <laughs> Roger. Uh, so my number one, my number one on the list was not in our group top what? five. How is that possible? Because. Oh, yeah. It was. No, yeah. it wasn't Lane Kiffin. I actually had oh. Lane Kiffin third. Number one, I had Butch Davis. Oh, Butch, what? Yeah, I know. Let's see. So he's not, I think maybe he wasn't high on your guys' list or, or other people's list because he's not a, a candidate for these big jobs yeah. because, of course, the controversy surrounding him and, and what happened before. But just look at his resume at Miami. I know we're going back a long ways here, but he was the one that built that team that ended up winning the 01 national championship. So. Did a great job at at the end of his run Keep there. Keep it in this century, please. All right, fine. Let's go. Let's go to North Carolina. <laughs> Took over a terrible program, upgraded the talent, recruited well, won eight games three years in a row, which, I mean, compared to what they were doing before, is and a now. very good job. And that, yeah, and now. And then uh, his third job, FIU, they were really bad before he took over they weren't doing anything and now first year he goes eight and five second year he goes nine and four so everywhere he goes right. the teams get a lot better he recruits very well i just i i don't think he's a great candidate for big schools because and he puts them on probation right because of the baggage but he's a great coach <laughs> well there's another guy that was super high on my list is uh hugh freeze hugh freeze was in my top five because what Again, like there's all that baggage, but amazing recruiter at Ole Miss and and a really good coach too. Like I, I think he's well. That, I think he's a that, great coach. I don't know. I don't know about Hugh. We'll see. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily hire him if I was big school. Right. But. Right. All right. Well. Okay. Well, as I said, Lunsford was my six, but it's interesting. Again, like the top five of our lists was my top five guys, not in exact order, but. I had the same five, so you guys That's are... crazy. Yeah, I got it right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I had Luke Fickle in there. I had him at 10th. He had a great year in Cincinnati doing well recruiting. Yep. But Josh Heupel, one. he's in there, eighth. Got to give him credit for what he did. But how about you, Trey? I, uh, the, the guy we didn't mention that I had actually number two, uh, maybe could have been a little lower, but I had him at number two, was Rocky Long. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, not what he, he, you know, at New Mexico, pretty mixed results, but I'm looking at the most recent regime that he's had at, at San Diego State. He's done a great job. He transformed the Aztecs into a Mountain West contender every year. They've gone bowling in all seven of his seasons, which is pretty crazy at a school like that. That is. Um, three of his teams have had double digit wins. And, you know, consider this that obviously we're, we're familiar with Southern California, but they San Diego State has very little fan support. They play in a pretty crummy stadium, and they hadn't had much success success since the Marshall Falk days. Uh, so now they're a force in the conference. I think it's pretty good. That's a good one. I mean, he's what he's done has been has been awesome. But this past year was probably not like his not his best year, but he's done well. Yeah, and let's see some other guys we didn't name yet were Frank Solich. Yeah, he's, he, he's I, done. Yeah, consistently good. Yep, yep, that's true. Uh, Mike, Mike Norvell. Norvell. There, yep, you go. there you go. Oh, jinx. <laughs> uh, okay, and then I just want to revisit. Okay, so I think we've kind of 
Is there any other honorable mention from the group of five that we should bring up? I no. don't have anybody else. I think I think we literally listed all the guys that showed up somewhere on our top 10. Um, yes. But it was a tough list to make. There's guys 11, 12, 13, I remember, that were, yeah. that were still good. It is hard to leave out, for sure. Okay. Um, so let's go back to... Uh, I feel like we didn't give enough honorable mentions for our top 10 uh uh just overall head coaches yeah. all right so we, we already listed the top 10 i'm just gonna go should i just list our 11 through 20 as a group yeah yeah oh, okay all right so yeah let's see number 10 was lincoln riley and then 11 gary patterson 12 mike gundy then brian kelly tom herman pat fitzgerald mike leach matt campbell mark d'antonio kyle whittingham i don't remember <laughs> i don't have the how many guys i've listed here but i'm just gonna keep reading names sure gus malzahn david shaw chip kelly jeff Brom. chip kelly okay well there's a disagreement from ryan there i didn't have any of them i didn't have him anywhere near my top 25 well wow. i mean he did do pretty well at oregon yeah and even like 10 years ago well, well i mean it's one <laughs> one year at ucla i'm not writing him off yet yeah it's not maybe as good as what people thought but you know yeah, you're you're I'm, quick to judge. Yeah. Uh, you got you got yeah, fair enough. But I'm low. All right, Jeff Brom, who I know he's kind of what he's been like 500 at at Purdue. Purdue, but their teams have been much better, no doubt, than the teams he had before he got there. And he's turned up the recruiting too. So yeah, he could climb this list. Uh, Justin Fuente, I'm not going to overreact to one bad year, right? Anyway, they still made a bowl game. And then David Cutcliffe, Kirk Ferentz, and Mario Cristobal. So there you go. Those are all the guys. That's ga- all my top well, 25 there, yeah, yeah. All the guys that made I- made it somewhere on our lists, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Who else? <laughs> Who else can I just listed of? a lot of guys. Who's who's the biggest snub that hasn't been mentioned the entire episode? Ah, that's a good point. Uh, I should look at the... Yeah, who, would it, who would be a decent one? Hmm. Matt Wells? Maybe Neil Brown. Neil Brown. Yeah, true. The guys that have just been hired this past year is it's right. You know, it's tough to judge. Um, Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron. Yeah, that's that's a he's a tough one to judge for sure. Yeah, that's that's a toughie. Dave Doran, NC State. Dave Doran. Yeah, he seems very solidly like thirtieth. You know. Yeah. Dino Babers. Oh, Dino Babers. Yeah, he's he's a tough one because what his first couple of years were four and eight, I think. But I mean, yeah. his past year was amazing. So. Bowling Green before, right? What about Dana Holgerson? We didn't mention him at for the G5. Holgerson, oh, that's a good point. You know what? I think that was kind of just an oversight by me, actually. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that, that was just, <laughs> whoops, forgot <laughs> forgot Holgerson's in the G5 now. Yeah, he would, yeah. he'd be near my top five, that's for sure. He probably would be in it. Yeah, now that I, that I don't, I kind of just brain farted on that one, I think. <laughs> me too. Me too. We're great. We're, we put a lot of work into this podcast, clearly. <laughs> Paul is kind of a... Yeah, he's not in my top 25. No. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's about all I got. I'll, I'll back that up a little bit. Just what he did at Pitt, you know, and then Wisconsin kind of running itself. Maybe that's yeah. not giving him, giving him enough credit, but that's my you thoughts. Know, you know what is funny, and, and I'm, I'm not saying he deserves it, but two years ago, maybe even one year ago, you make the list. Willie Taggart's definitely in your top top twenty five. Good point. Yeah, and and now you know there's no reason to put him put him there. Yeah, I mean, if we made this yeah. list before la- this past season for Florida State, 
and we're just talking about how I, he might have been in my top 15 because I just expected him to kill it at Florida State. And maybe he still will. Yep. I mean, it's, it's early, but. Sure. Yeah. Well, Michael, you, your boy Joe Moorhead wasn't on this list. Yeah, he's he's still. I mean, what he did at uh, Fordham, <laughs> Fordham should probably have him <laughs> already in the top 10. Yeah. But I guess I need to see a little more. The other SEC guy that it had a good year is Mark Stoops. And so that was. Yeah, some people want him to be high because they've improved kind of every year he's been there. Yeah. But I don't know. It's tough. I just think there's some better guys ahead of him. Barry Odom, my last guy, Barry Odom. Barry Odom, solid coach, yeah. good coach. Who, who's the worst? We should do the bottom 10. Oh, boy. Well, Chris Ash is not great. Nope, he's not. <laughs> Lovey Smith. Oh, Lovey. Yeah, tough situation. I, I'm still holding out some hope. Clay Helton. Oh, yeah. No. He's he's up there. Although, yeah, he's got to be. He's had a couple decent years. Yeah. Hey, we didn't mention Craig Bull for the G5. He's pretty good. That's true. They're solid. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we've named enough coaches. Yeah, probably. Okay. Well, that'll do it for this kind of this episode's kind of ending. <laughs> Let's just list every coach there is and yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Just go just go to espn.com and look at all the all the yeah. list of coaches <laughs> for the rest of our episode. <laughs> um next week it's going to be a great episode. We're going to be previewing March Madness. It'll be the first time we are not talking college football on the podcast venture into the hoops yep so my area uh we might be having a special guest next week a college basketball expert legitimate one trying to work out like the guy knows his stuff man it's crazy he does he does so be on the lookout for that and oh one last thing i just want to say um we didn't mention there's a lot of talk with this admissions scandal going on of course that implicated usc among other schools but I just want to make it clear that I got into USC the old-fashioned way. <laughs> yeah, sure. Which was... <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> oh. I was just going to say. I'm going to bleep out that that whole entire part, so don't worry. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's uh, the old-fashioned way. <laughs> the old-fashioned way. <laughs> okay, so thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.